When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Football. Welcome in to Purple Daily. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgat, and Courtney Cronin, Vikings beat writer for ESPN.com. And we're going to continue our Tale of the Tape series here, folks, where we are lining up. First, it was the Vikings versus NFC North foes, including the Lions. We did go through the formality of doing a Lions episode. Matt Patricia, never tire of them. We've gone through some NFC contenders like the Saints and um, the Cowboys we did recently as well. Yeah, we all took Dak. And Judd wants to get to the AFC contenders because he thinks the tail of the tape might matter in the Super Bowl at some point. We'll see. The Vikings get that far. Jared but, Stidham's tough, man. Uh, he is. He's very difficult. Very, and so is Josh Allen when the Vikings oh. face the Bills in the Super Bowl. Yeah, Stephon, Stephon Diggs. Diggs Bowl. Yes. But today's subject, if the Vikings do get through the NFC, they're probably going to also have to go through this team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady, age 43, so our tale of the tape is quarterback, coach, total offense, total defense, and total team. We'll start with quarterback. Courtney Cronin, who do you give the tale of the tape advantage to? And this isn't like quarterback legacy. This is yeah. Kirk Cousins in his prime against Tom Brady at 43 years old just for this year. Well, the one thing I worry about with Brady is his protection. I mean, they did get Tristan Worse in the draft this year. But they, the last few years... Tampa Bay offensive line wasn't able to protect Jameis Winston. And Jameis is a far more mobile quarterback than Tom Brady. So, I mean, that's where my concern is uh, when I think about all of the things that could limit Tom Brady. But, you know, we've seen this over 20-plus years with, you know, the New England Patriots. Like, he gets the ball out quickly. It's among his best attributes. Kirk, on the other hand, behind an offensive line that there's allegedly a quote-unquote wide-open competition per Rick Spielman for those interior guard spots. Um that's where the pressure that they that's where the pressure killed Kirk the most in 2018 and again in 2019. Like if they don't get that fixed, that's going to be Kirk batting the ball and having issues again where he's waiting too long in the pocket and the pressure. It's not the it's not the periphery pressure. It's the one that's coming straight at you. Um, and I don't think Brady even if it takes Tampa Bay's offensive line a while to gel will have those same issues. Um, if you're going at it a very cut-and-dry argument based on his legacy and kind of where he's at right now and the weapons that he has with two Pro Bowl receivers and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, um, he's got Gronk again. The only thing they don't have is a running game. I think Minnesota's running game, assuming Dalvin Cook would play this year, uh, would be second to none. And that if they are going to rely on that, that's a completely different ball game. But 
Kirk versus Tom Brady, I mean, this is a no-brainer. I'm going with Tom Brady. Judley? It was a little tougher because um, Kirk is, as Phil said, in his quote-unquote prime, and TB is 42 years old, and he's not he's not uh, coming off a great year with Patriots last year. But, of course, his weapons weren't that fantastic. Uh, so I weighed this a little bit more, but you know what? I think Brady, at least for one year, is going to attempt to try his hardest and be motivated enough to potentially go Favre in 2009 here. And so if we're just talking about basically pushing my chips in and saying, I'll take my chances, I'm going Brady. I don't think there's probably a lot left there, but man, leaving the Patriots, leaving Belichick, uh, and going to a team that certainly is going to have offensive weapons for him and he is going to play his butt off most likely as good as Kirk might be for 2020 I'm going to take my chances and I might be wrong with Tom Brady so this is a more difficult conversation than than I would probably have given credit on the surface I know that Declan has already jumped on the Tom Brady train for yeah, this one I, I, that if you think Aaron Rodgers is washed this guy's washed or I'm, I'm sorry I'm on the just, on out. the cousins yeah you're, you're anti-Brady age anti-Brady. 43 I'm out <laughs> And I think that is the main argument is that like there there literally has never been a quarterback at age forty three put up big numbers before. Brett Favre was thirty nine forty, Drew Brees forty. Forty three is an unprecedented age for a quarterback to put up big numbers. And when I talk about big numbers, I mean like go take your team to a Super Bowl and put up four thousand yards, etc. It's never happened before. Of course, if there is a guy that's gonna make it happen. It's probably the guy that only eats kale and sleeps in a hyperbaric chamber for fifteen hours might a day. Get the I mean, Kirk, Kirk does sleep in a hyperbaric chamber. I saw it. Really? Yeah, I saw it on the Yahoo Sports did something. He had a discounted one or he bought it used and it was <laughs> Of course from a he did. Well wait ago. a second then. Okay, so Of course he did, Courtney. So so age checkmark cousins. Yes. Hyperbaric chamber a wash. So yeah. really we're just maybe we're just I don't know if he sleeps in it during the season. I know during I the hope he does. season. He should during the season. I don't know, Judd. You know how heavy those things are and to transport that all the way back up to Minnesota. It, worth it That's for a good point. worth it for the road games against the Bears Hire and the Packers this year. Yes. Uh but I, I will also give the slight edge. Until Tom Brady actually does fall off the cliff, the answer has to be Tom Brady here in the tail of the tape. So how about coach? Bruce Arians and Mike Zimmer. Courtney. You know, Z- <laughs> As I as I look through this, you can point out similarities. Just uh, completely different minds. I mean, Arians is a quarterback guru, um, offensive mind. Zimmer is a cornerback guru, defensive mind. Um, I think a lot of it's going to take the in-game adjustments. That's where you're going to look to see who's going to have that competitive edge, the clock management, uh, the situational football. And I think that as we've seen with Zim, and kind of the way that. Things have not worked out always with his offensive coordinators and him having to step in, maybe stepping too far um, into the offensive side. Now he's got Gary Kubiak. And, I mean, he's had Gary, but, like, for the last two years, he's had Gary Kubiak in that position where he can be like, you handle offense, I'm going to handle defense. Um, And Todd Bowles is a terrific defensive coordinator. I mean, their defense turned around quite a bit in Tampa Bay last year. So if I'm looking at kind of, like, big picture-wise, the – dichotomy between offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, head coach, I actually give it to Minnesota because of the continuity there that they have. And I'm wondering this year with Arians, he he seems like a pretty chill type of guy who's like, who actually does the whole notion of, hey, you are my quarterback. I'm bringing you in here. What plays do you like to run? 
here's a couple plays I like to run. Like, this was my like thought when I first started covering the NFL that this was actually how it works because they talk about this is how it works, <laughs> and it never actually does. No. Um, <laughs> I think Arians might be on a little bit more level playing field but of, of actually abiding by that. But at the end of the day, it's Tom Brady. He's going to do whatever he wants. Um, I think Zimmer's going to have a better grasp and control of that game, so I'm going to give him the edge as I look at this matchup. Judley? I think Courtney's probably right on uh, grasp and control, but I'm going Arians based on this. It's an offensive league. I want an offensive guy. Fair. And so it's very, very close. I like them both. I, I think they're both very good at what they do. Um, but I, I also like the fact that I think Bruce, I think Bruce with with Brady there is sort of going to become and. This is just a guess, but a Phil Jackson like guy of hey, I got superstars here, and, and I don't. He think, doesn't. He seems a little more stressed out than Phil Jackson. Yeah, he though. does. He does, but a I don't. Red face. But I don't know if he's overbearing completely. So I'm going Arians, but barely. But I will say this: this is a matchup of the COVID nineteen who shouldn't coach ball. Because <laughs> You're right. you could make a very good case oh, that man. both of these guys, Zim. And Arians should probably be told, you know what? It'd be best to chill till 21 <laughs> or Same a vaccine. Absolutely, Don Courtney. Capers and everybody else is over the age but of Both of those guys, age. though, seem high-stressed, high-risk, older. I'm probably going to say, why don't you let the young guys do, do this yeah. for 2020? Hopefully there's a vaccine in place for 21, and you guys can all come also, back. Also, like, if you were ranking NFL head coaches based on how likely is it that they're going to spend a night in the hospital to rip off all of the different IV patches and things yes. and then go back to practice the next day, yes. Arians has already done that. Yes. So we've, we've already here, seen right? that here in Minnesota. Didn't yes. he have to be rushed to the hospital here after he did. a Cardinals and He was, game? like, back at practice on Wednesday or something. And you're right, he does get red. Yeah. And Zim had to be told, like, Facilities closed for you and you only during the 2017 OTAs as he had to go recover from his, like, at that time, I think it was his sixth or seventh eye surgery. Yeah. He was, wasn't he supposed to be laying, like, horizontal yes. face down? Yes. And yes. he was pissed that he was told, go to the ranch and recover. Like, he wouldn't answer Rick Spielman's phone calls for a couple of days, <laughs> which I think is... Just shows you that this is not somebody who's going to like bend to the virus. The virus bends to me. It's a lot what a lot of these coaches think. Um, You're right. You'll, you'll find out quickly if that's if they can actually combat it. I mean, these are the most unhealthy lifestyles possible yes. where you're working. 14, 15, 16 hours a day, and your health is not great to begin with. You're, you know, a lot of guys are overweight. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, anything specific to these two in their situation, but like your health is just not great. I mean, and you ordinarily don't care, right? It's like, yeah, I'm not healthy. What the heck? I'm so fascinated. Sleep when you're dead type thing. I mean, every NFL coach, NFL head coach. Yeah, they all, like, by the end of their run, they all look like Andy Reid, like they, or Mike McCarthy. I want to know yeah, what McCarthy. what is Cliff Kingsbury going to look like sixty five pounds heavier in like twelve years? Is he still going to be wearing the boat shoes with no socks? I don't know that he worries enough about ordinary coach stuff. That's a really good question on Kingsbury. He's not. Pl- I feel he's like McVay and Kingsbury are like, yeah, okay. I'm a quarterback <laughs> guy. That's my life. Uh, my, so my tail of the tape here. All right, this is very much a toss up because, like, like Courtney said, you've got. One is viewed as an expert and a guru in quarterbacks and offense. The other is viewed as an expert and, and a guru in cornerback development and defense. And neither guy has won a Super Bowl as a head coach, but both guys have this pedigree. And both guys are just sort of like they they both just need like that one big break with a great quarterback or something. And so the reason I'm going to give the edge to Bruce Arians is it's only like it's like a feather on the on the scale for me. 
In 2015, the Arizona Cardinals went 13 and 3. They won the division and they went to the Super Bowl and got they got beat by the Carolina Panthers in the Super Bowl. I'm sorry, in the NFC Championship game. They went to the doorstep of the Super Bowl is what I meant to say. And then they lost to the to the Panthers in the championship game. Uh, in the same fashion, the Vikings lost to the Eagles a couple years later in 2017. He maxed out Carson Palmer at age 36. Bruce Arians did in that season. Carson Palmer had career highs in yards, in yards per attempt, in QBR, in passer, like literally everything, yards per game. It was Carson Palmer's best season as an NFL quarterback under Bruce Arians. And so like the, Bruce Arians, when given the right tools offensively and the right quarterback, can give you a 13-3 and three and, a, and a doorstep of the Super Bowl. I'm thinking if Tom Brady can be what Carson Palmer was in, in 2015, then I think they win the Super Bowl. Um, so I'm going to give the slight edge in to Bruce Tampa, Arians. In Tampa, right? Was that where the... I believe it, it's there. The Super Bowl is in Tampa this year. Yeah, I believe this it year is, yeah. Tampa, is it? yeah. They would play host yeah. to it. That would be, uh, that'd be interesting. So, all right, uh, total offense. Who do you give the edge to, Vikings or Buccaneers? I give the edge to the Bucs just because the chemistry that Brady already has, and granted, we're seeing him work out all the time. Is Kirk Cousins working out? No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to go down that route. Uh, I just think it's <laughs> hilarious that Tom Brady has basically dropped a giant bleep you to the NFLPA and continues to host these workouts. Um, you know, if Stephon Diggs was still in Minnesota, because Justin Jefferson is an unproven commodity at this point, and Adam Thielen's going to be on the receiving end of double teams, I'm not so sure that that's going to come along as quickly as possible. Kirk is a quarterback like we've talked about. You need him to trust you before you actually get the chance. I mean, Kyle Rudolph has not so subliminally mentioned that exact same thing. Stephon Diggs uh, in his, you know, I think it was either his like going away column with the Players Tribune or something else has kind of said the same thing that, you know, Kirk is not a guy that's going to give you a chance. Um, you have to earn that with him. I mean, with Tom Brady, like he's got, like I mentioned, he's got two Pro Bowl receivers and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. If you don't have him on your fantasy team for for starters, start there. Um, and I think that you know you have the most dynamic tight end in the game when he's healthy. And for me, that's you know the offensive line is moot at this point. The running game for the Bucks is moot at this point. Yes, Brady's going to need more help as he gets older, um, and especially at forty three years old, it's not just put the team on my back. I'm going to go win a Super Bowl. He's going to need that run game to take some pressure off of him. Good news is um, there's several running backs that are still out there for cheap on the free agent market, and I would anticipate people I've spoken with that that's something that the Bucks would probably be interested in adding at some point this pre- before the regular season gets started, so he should be fine. And I think that they're, you know, often, offense-wise, um, the Vikings do have a lot of good pieces, but I give the edge to Brady and the Bucks. Courtney's right. Uh, yeah, the the Bucks are going to be dynamic. This is going to, to be to be though uh, to go back to the O line conversation this year. Watch Tampa. This is going to be a referendum, I believe, on a quarterback delivering the ball quickly, right? Because because Jameis Winston, to Courtney's point from before, could certainly move more, but he also yeah. held the ball more, right? Which Kirk can tend to do. If Brady gets in, in there and it's boom, 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 and the offensive line is improved in Tampa, but it's still not not great, we should watch that closely because we do tend to judge lines on sacks. And sacks can be the fault of the line, but they can also be, be the fact of a quarterback who yes. holds the ball and pats it too long. Brady, Manning, guys like that don't do that. And so I do think the interesting thing is going to watch uh, from 2019 to 2020, that Tampa Bay line 
with two very different quarterbacks in how they go about their business. And Brady is not mobile, but he delivers the ball quickly. Uh, but for all of the uh, re- reasons that Courtney gave with the wide receivers, the tight ends in Tampa, all of that, Tampa Bay does sure. get the advantage over the Vikings. Yeah, right. I, I give Tampa the offensive edge as well. I think the only the only discernible area of advantage for the Vikings offensively is Dalvin Cook. I think I would take Dalvin yeah. Cook over Ronald Jones. Um, but but other other than that, now that Ste- like if Stefan Diggs was still on the team, you could say, all right, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, that's pretty damn good. But I don't know, like right. Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, if those guys are healthy. Put it this way when it comes to the Buccaneers offense. Their backup tight end now, O.J. Howard, averages 16 yards per catch in three years in the NFL. Their backup yeah. tight end would be probably a top, like if given the targets of other top tight ends, he'd be in the mix as like a guy who could go for 1,000 yards. And that dude's coming off the bench behind Rob Gronkowski. Uh, on the offensive line point, I, uh, I, I'm a firm believer that quarterbacks oftentimes can make or break pass blocking and and offensive lines as well. I mean, Peyton Manning had a year as a statue in Indianapolis where he got sacked nine times. Dan Marino had a year in the 80s where he got sacked like six times in a full year. I mean, yeah, the offensive lines probably played well, but those guys know what they're doing. They know how to get away. They know how to set up cover uh, you know, protections and stuff. And so it's it's very likely that Tom Brady makes the Buccaneers offensive line better. And so uh, if you were going to say, well, the Vikings might have a better offensive line, like if, you know, if... Ezra Cleveland pans out or something. I don't know. I think Tom Brady probably changes that. So, all right, total defense, tail of the tape, Courtney. It's hard here because I look at all the ju- the adjustments Mike Zimmer made midway through last season when he realized that things were kind of falling apart and how many new faces that this unit has. I mean, when you look at a Bucks team that has, you know, some really, really good pass rushers, I mean, Indomitian Sue is still there. Shaq Barrett is excellent. Uh, even Jason Pierre-Paul, for however old he is now, is still a highly productive player. I don't think that their front seven gets nearly as much credit uh, as it's probably due. I mean, their their secondary is young, and they've got a couple staples back there. Um, I think of what Sean Murphy bun- Bunting is kind of you know that's the guy that I think of when I think of their cornerbacks, which is not really a it's kind of a no name unit. But where I think the dividing line for me here is with Levante David and Shaq Barrett, that you know the one two punch that they have with their linebackers. Can that stack up to Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr? Sure it can, but Shaq Barrett has the sack numbers. Neither Kendricks nor Barr do. Um, so and, and granted it is a different style of defense. They play a three four, um, and I think it's, you know, an an off ball three four. So, you know, I'll probably give the Bucks the advantage here simply for the fact that by the time that this game would happen is um December, right? Like yeah. December, it's like week fifteen, week fourteen. So um, the Vikings, at least at that point, should have figured out: okay, who's your starting cornerback? Are you going through? <laughs> are you still at a rotation at that point? You, you'd like to think that they have s- some contributions from their rookie Jeff Gladney, who should at that point be a starting outside corner. If you don't pick up a veteran cornerback to play nickel, that should be Mike Hughes, and then the outside spot is either Cameron Dantzler or Holton Hill. Um, there's too many question marks there for me to go ahead and give the Bucks the advantage. So I or to give the Vikings the advantage. So I'm going to give the Bucks the advantage here with the defense as well. Yeah, this is tough. If, if the Vikings knew or had stability at the corners, I think I'd go Vikings yeah. for sure. Because then, then you say Zim's got his guys at the corners. Uh, three years back, those those guys were fantastic. Especially Rhodes was. They're gone now. Um, I'd be tempted to give Zim the advantage if I thought there was a coaching advantage on that side of the ball. But Todd Bowles, 
I, I think has again, and we've seen this a thousand times, proven that just because you're a lousy head coach does not mean that you're a bad coordinator. Yeah. In fact, Bowles is a very good coordinator. Turn that unit around last year. Yeah, they, they were number one in the league in rush defense, and that's in a division with guys like uh, Kamara and McCaffrey. That is a very good running back division. And so, so because of what Courtney said, and also because I do believe that that defense is incredibly well coached as well in Tampa, I'm going to go advantage Tampa. I'm not going to say it by a lot, but I think if you just look at what they have currently in place, if you were the Vikings, you say we might be there close to there right now, but we're probably not as good as they are. Yeah, we just don't know yet like what that defense is going to be. I mean, the defensive line is probably the most sta- – well, the linebacker core, but the defensive line then is supposed to be the most stable unit. Um, and we don't know how Fadio Denebo is going to be able to handle that pass rushing duty left vacant by Everson Griffin. I mean, there's too much newness and I think that you can you can certainly com- combat that. I mean, they did in 2014 when they came in and they had, were inheriting the worst defense in the league, and by midway through the season, it was the strength. Very easily could mirror that trend. I just, you know, I think with the shortened off season and not having your guys out there on the field to like teach them how to play cornerback in Mike Zimmer's defense, <laughs> yeah, that's a big um, deal. Yeah, that's hard. So. Yeah. Yeah. So 2014 is actually the reason I'm going to give the Vikings the tail of the tape advantage here. I think the, the okay. gap is much closer than it would have been uh, going into last year with the Buccaneers defense. One, one thing to note on the Buccaneers defense, according to Pro Football Focus, they are one of the worst tackling teams in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And sometimes... That's something that like you can just like you can fix that a little easier than like your cornerbacks not being able to cover, you know, opposing wide receivers. Like I'd rather have to go into an offseason fixing tackling than fixing like I don't have a guy who can get to the quarterback off the edge. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, Courtney brought up 2014. The Vikings had the worst defense in the NFL at the end of the Leslie Frazier run as head coach. Mike Zimmer takes over and it was just like a, the roster was a disaster. They did draft Xavier Rhodes. Daniil Hunter was not there yet. Everson Griffin was on the roster, but they didn't have, even like right now, they've got a bunch of question marks, but they didn't have an Eric Kendricks. They didn't have a Daniil Hunter or a Harrison Smith or an Anthony Harris. Like they didn't have guys like that. And they still were 11th in points allowed by the end of that season in 2014. I think like Mike Zimmer just is great at molding a ball of clay to this point in his career. And do I think they're going to have the best defense in the NFL after the molding of the clay this year? No, I do not. But I, I, I still think when all is said and done, at the end of the year, by the time they play the Buccaneers in December, they're going to have a top 10 point defense going into that game. And then it just depends on, like, are the Buccaneers in that same range? We'll see. Um, the final tale of the tape here is just total team. When these teams meet head-to-head late in the season, who would you pick? Who would you pick? I'll, I'll start here, actually, because I think if this game were being played in Minnesota at U.S. Bank Stadium, despite giving most of the tallies in the tail of the tape to the Buccaneers, I would say home field advantage could make a huge difference. But because the game is being played in Tampa Bay, I'm going to say total team, I'm giving it to the Buccaneers. Courtney? Yeah, I already picked the Buccaneers, so I'm sticking with them on uh, my prediction for whatever that December game is. You bring up a good point about U.S. Bank Stadium, but the good thing is here, it's not being played at U.S. Bank Stadium, so we don't have to hypothesize about that. I think... It'll be a nice break for the Vikings, considering how many of the warm weather games that they have at that point of the year to be able to stay competitive um, and maybe even keep the game close. But I just think the edge is going to be with Brady in the offense because, like we said, he's somebody who can take over and make checks at the line of scrimmage and change the play and 
do things that Kirk Cousins hasn't demonstrated he can do yet. So that's where the advantage lies for me. Yeah, team wise, Bucks. Um, in fact, I'm certainly not going to be shocked if the Vikings win that game in particular. Mm-hmm. But if I had to pick the teams and just say, okay, if I could have your team for 2020, I would prefer Tampa. Now, that might be very short term. Um, but you just look at the intangibles and, and the things that Tampa Bay has going for it. And and the Vikings problem now, I think, is this. It's just the unknowns, right, you guys? It, it's the unknowns yeah. of cornerback. It's the unknowns of defensively. Is Bars, is bars role going to change? Because if it changes... I don't think it's going to. I don't either. conversations that I've had. But I if it did, Courtney... It's change, but it should. Yeah, when exactly. You, think, think about, about that. It. Yeah. It is... I mean, there's just... There's so many things about the Vikings now going into camp that we don't know that it's very hard to confidently say, I think they're going to be great. I think that they'll be good. I, th- I, I certainly expect them to be competitive throughout the course of the season, but there's a lot of things that I can't sit here and confidently tell you about this team right now. Yep. So, all right, well, that's a wrap here and we're getting closer to the AFC opponents here. At some point we will get How to the Super Bowl tail of the tape. I don't know. There's still a few NFC team. We haven't done the 49ers yet in the NFC. There's still some other teams in the in the NFC. That are AFC, working. we're going to have to do the Browns for sure, right? Stefanski, Zimbel. I'm not ready. I'm not in ready. Tampa? Third, third not week ready of the preseason that. currently. We actually should go through That's all the right. preseason opponents and their full well, roster. We're down to two now. <laughs> Thank God we're only if down to two. And we might be down to zero. <laughs> if the players get their way, we'll yes. have no preseason games. All right, that's a wrap on this episode of Purple Daily for Phil Mackey, myself, Judd Zilgad, Courtney Cronin. We'll see you next time.